we're going to talk about the Batman in a bit. And what's really interesting about the Batman is that the Penguin, who just calls himself Oz in this movie, is a regular gangster, basically, who just owns a nightclub. Yeah. And that's it. That's yeah. all he does. That's one of my favorite elements of this movie. Because every single character here with is is someone you could find in real life, except for maybe Batman. And even then, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, actually. The Penguin. That's what I like about it. Is like DC also, I'm not trying to cut, cut in between, but then DC's character also can become more humanized. Yeah. You can humanize a DC character compared to a Marvel character. You cannot humanize Superman. You cannot humanize... Uh, Captain America or uh, what other superhero like name there's no way you can humanize a character like Thanos into a late uh, into a club's gang like a gangster yeah. person but all 90% of the characters especially in the Batman roster I would mm-hmm. say that you can it's very easy to turn them into someone who's a uh regular person and maybe that's something that makes them a little bit more terrifying and more Just memorable. a little bit. Because, you know, having grown up in the town of Penang and my family coming, you know, being just well off enough to be invited to people, to, to places where like really rich people hang out for like functions and whatnot. Um, you meet people like the Penguin. You meet people like Oz in... in the, in, in the Batman, you do, you know, people who are like, like really dodgy and kind of grotesque and everybody kind of knows that they're, that they're, you know, not quite kosher, but no one says anything about it. Mm-hmm. You, you meet people like that all the time, particularly in like uh, large towns or cities that have a long history of dodgy stuff happening and there's no way to like get rid of it, right? So it just becomes over time. That's kind of what I like about the Batman. It it's very it's a very stylized version of a city that is both very very rich and very very poor, and you see the kind of people who inhabit it. Yeah. But Actually. at the but at the same time, it's also visually stunning. I don't think these kind of pieces of architecture can actually exist in the real world. A city that is that close to a seawall, uh, the the below forty four club is just is this just amazing looking repurposed like foundry thing? I can't I can't even tell what it is. Yeah, you don't um, understand it, but it's like there is like a layer underneath the city that exists. Right. Right. And it's so cool that when he goes through it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, just the look and feel of the film is really, really interesting. And one of the interesting uh, things that they actually did is that right now you mentioned like the rich are super rich and the poor are also like super poor in the city that is like presented for in the Batman. Uh, yeah. It actually managed to do what? Christopher Nolan's Batman Dark Knight Rises was trying to achieve. Cause that's right. 
um, their whole intention was for the Dark Knight Rises was actually to kind of create that feeling of Tale of Two Cities and that kind yeah. of a feeling that there's a, the, the poor take over the rich. But the thing is, if you look at his movie, there you don't really, you, number one, you don't feel the poor. And yeah. number two, you don't feel the rich, rich either. Yeah. So by the time that the climax of the movie happens, you're kind of wondering, like, why are... Like, okay, Bane goes on top of a car and gives a speech that somewhat is understandable. Somewhat is like... Yeah. It talks about, okay, people of Gotham being tricked because Harvey Dent was an asshole. But yeah. then you're wondering, okay, why did everybody lost, lost their shit? I don't see a reason for everybody to lose their shit. And I think he really failed in portraying that. What Matt Reeves was actually able to achieve was that you... I've, okay, you know when you look at the scene and you're you sense the scene, you you can almost smell it. Has that has yeah. that ever occurred? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly it, it, how it felt looking at the the Gotham, like how wet it was at the rain during the rain. The slums, how dark and deep the slums actually do go. Yeah, and also thanks to I don't know, let me I, I need to remember remember his name. Um, all this is also thanks to uh, Greg Fraser, who was actually was a cinematographer of Doom. Right, right, right. You know, Greg Fraser is really, really good at creating atmosphere, right? Because he's worked with some amazing-looking movies. He's worked on, you know, Dune and and Rogue One and whatnot, even with The Mandalorian. And Mandalorian, the stuff that he works on. Killing, mm-hmm. killing Them Softly zero, and Zero Dark Thirty were shot brilliantly, even though they were like rather boring films. Yeah. Uh, but you... Uh, did you watch Vice? No, I haven't watched Vice. Yeah, the Christian Bale, uh, Dick Cheney film. My, that, mm-hmm. that one is like really knows how to shoot a film and like really brings a taste of the Sahara from the dune and every, yeah, the darkness yeah. of the Gotham at night. So he really knows. Uh, I, w- I went to watch The Batman with uh, a mutual good friend of ours, Nat Kang, um, because he'd watched it like twice already and he wanted to watch it again because the he was intrigued by the look, feel, as well as the kind of villain that you're dealing with now. Um, he he mentioned that Gotham kind of looked like a cross between uh, all of the major East Coast cities in, in the US. New York, obviously, because Gotham has always been like an erstats of New York. Yeah. Um, but also... In a, in a to a certain degree, like Boston or Maine, because of the mist that yeah. envelops the city. Mm. Uh, to a certain degree, like Amsterdam, because of the seawall. Mm. And, and to it's a kind certain of interesting. degree, like London too, because it's of to the... a certain degree, like London. And it's interesting yeah. because New York used to be called New Amsterdam. Yeah. So there's a historical connection there. Um, True. There are certain shots that kind of feel like old timey New England, like when they're riding the the bikes through like old country 
basically, and uh, parts of the old city, what looks like a graveyard. You know, mm. it's this sort of like gothic romance thing going on. With it, it remind it, it. You know what it felt like looking at it, even though like there wasn't any grand shot, like a landscape shot of the city, like entirely. But no. it felt like, like have you? I don't know if you watched it. This is an old, very old movie called Metropolis. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, black and white German. film Metropolis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fritz Lang. Yeah. Yeah, and it felt exactly like that. These towering buildings, basically, with their roots, which is the bottom part where all the gangsters gather up and all that. And they're all mm -hmm. just uh, in the darkness and the shadows of these towering cities. And the rich are always at the top of the tower doing their shit while the poor right. at the bottom were trying to crawl their way up. And that's what like what happened with the what you mentioned is like in the, people like talk about the movie being two hours. It's almost three hours, actually. Two hours, 45 It's three minutes. hours long. Yeah, it is yeah. three hours long. It's three hours long. And I didn't feel like I didn't understood like there were some complaints about the movie being so long because I I enjoyed the world building, even though I felt like there was some like spice missing from it. I think, of course, they were do, shooting it during COVID. So there's like uh, they yeah, had there's to, only so much you can do. Yeah. Yeah, they had to like you could tell like some of the shots that they wanted to do, like like at the end, especially the graveyard and all that. Yeah. Were they, they might have had to try to improvise around the way they could shoot because they had to halt production twice, I think. Yeah. And and uh, but even though that even with that, he did manage to make a Gotham give Gotham enough lore that I know something has happened there. That I know that it's a place that Batman is doing his shit and that I know that below the building and that underneath the building there is more going on than it seems. Yeah. Uh, there are What I like about this movie the most really is how it sometimes kind of looks like a David Fincher film almost. I, uh, because... I, yeah. Because a lot of people have talked about how this doesn't feel like a Batman film. It feels um, like Seven. Yeah, it feels like Seven. Or it feels like a bunch of the episodes of Mindhunters smacked together, particularly in the interior shots when they're trying to do investigative work. In the first scene, and when, when Batman makes his first appearance, the, the interior shot is... It looks like a mayor's office. It looks cozy almost. But there's all of these cops just, you know, milling about trying to do investigative work. And it feels very natural. You know, it's not too stylized in that sense, but all of the acting is very terse and very tense. And um, it, it's, it feels so naturalistic that the thing that really jars me is just Batman being there. It sticks out like a sore thumb. He's, he really sticks out like a sore thumb. It's like... It's like you see you see a very realistic depiction of cops in a very realistic depiction of a house and a very realistic depiction of a crime scene. But there's a guy in a bat suit. <laughs> you think this is a bit weird. Who 
who hired the BDSM gimp, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. And the thing is the reaction toward him, like usually it's like, of course, you to, to, to this day is like, it's always been, they were like, oh, it's Batman. It's yeah. How's it going, man? But in this one, yeah. everybody like had different reaction toward him or, or at the very beginning had an reaction of rejection toward him. Yeah. You're kind of gross, dude. Please go somewhere else. Was yeah. on the look of everybody. I really like that little bit of acting. Um, and uh, yeah, I th- I think everybody was put off by the fact that that uh, Gordon, you know, was so friendly to him because everybody else was like, "Why the fuck are you talking to this dude? Like he's like he's your friend or something? Like this is weird." It needs to be remarked that this these events take place two years after he's already been yeah, he's Batman. Been, yeah, he's been Batman for two years. Yeah. But what's really interesting is it really shows like it's been two, that it's only been two years. Because yeah. <laughs> what I really like about Robert Pattinson is that he looks like he's had to be Batman for two years. He looks like he's got no goddamn sleep. He looks like he is very tired. He looks like he's gotten the shit out of him every night, which is how you should probably look like if you're Batman. Yeah. Right? We're used to being to having Bruce Wayne as like, you know, daytime millionaire, and in order to hide the fact that he's a he's a nighttime BDSM <laughs> uh, vigilante. <laughs> I love the fucking thing that you said like i've ne- I, honest to god i have never even though he has all the fucking characteristics of a bdsm uh yeah. dumb uh but yeah. he's but i have never even thought of him as a bds nighttime bdsm dumb it now that you said that it, i can i don't think i can unsee him as anything else <laughs> i mean i feel like that's what the movie was trying to imply because when they had when when Bruce has the relationship with Lena Kyle, like it's, a, it's this weird budding romance that's happening to them. And someday, and towards the end, like she's almost all over him. Um, it feels like towards the end, it feels like, yeah, no, this, this is a BDSM couple. Definitely. <laughs> They're both in leather. They yeah. both have animal themes, right? They both like whips and tying people up and, uh, you know, getting kinky in the dark, uh, and they both fucked up in the head. Yeah, both and, uh, abused in some way. Both got their parents yeah. fucked up. And yeah. The, the, here's the thing. I I appreciate what they did for the romance between Selena and uh, Batman, but I don't think mm-hmm. it was enough for the romance to like occur. Like, or at least I didn't understand it. But I know, like in the comics, the comics explain the romance slightly better. Com- even in one or two things. Mm. Um, the uh, Batman Dark Knight Rises, I, I don't want to keep comparing it to that one, but like Batman Dark Knight Rises that fails miserably to try to uh, explain why they're in love with each other. Yeah, it doesn't quite work because it's like, you, y'all just met yesterday. Y'all Calm just down. met. And as far as your Batman's supposed to be concerned, uh, this bitch just sold him to Bane and had, he had his ass handed yeah. to him because of her. This doesn't work. Whereas what's really interesting is that in this version of Batman, 
both Bruce and Selena Kyle are these rev, you know, vengeance driven, angsty, fucked up, terribly abused people. Yeah. With you know, with That's- vastly different backgrounds, and yet somehow they still end up in the same basic, you know, uh, kind. They, they still end up becoming the same kind of people. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's it's kinda, almost. Yeah, it's almost what. It's almost like this one. Those one of those. It's almost like a kinky version of one of these more idealistic romances where, uh, the guy is very rich. He's usually like a, like a like a prince. Oh uh, yeah. The the girls. It's like falls Cinderella in, falls in love with the girl in the gutter. Yeah, it's it's like Cinderella with a ball gag. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you know the sex is gonna be bomb. That one for sure. Yeah, no, no, those they will they will tear each other apart. Uh, I, I read the their comic where they were, but they fucked in some dudes. I think I don't know if it was Bruce Wayne's apartment or not. They just crash into the window and they just start fucking without their. I mean, come honestly, if you can and, make an entire movie out of that crash, you can yeah. you can put it in Batman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But the, the this romance that they fucking managed to do in this is like, yeah, they're instantly like they kind of look at each other like, oh, you're you're fucked up in the head, aren't you? And it's like, yeah. yeah. And she's like, I'm fucked up in the head too. Yeah. Yeah. Can we not be alone? Yeah. It's like, like yeah, we, I don't uh, want to be alone. <laughs> can we be? Can we be fucked up together? What's really interesting though is that Selena Kyle isn't exactly shy about talking shit about Bruce Wayne to Batman. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. He talks about I, how he, he's a stereotypical rich white his, guy. Yeah, She still doesn't know that Batman is Bruce Wayne. No, no, they yeah. did, she doesn't. And yeah. I think that's very interesting because a lot of the time when, 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 the, when characters talk about the divide between rich and poor, it's very obvious. Uh, unlike other Batman movies where it's just hinted in the background, um, she talks about how you know, Bruce Wayne is kind of an asshole because, you know, all rich people are assholes. And she has really legitimate reason to to believe that because, you know, of where she works and who she knows. And then we get to the Riddler who tells Batman, you know, how undeserving Bruce Wayne is of his grief because he doesn't know what an orphan is actually supposed to be like. Um, he talks about how the floors are cold. Uh, the, the, the rats floors are were cold, eating the, the rats. Rats are eating your fingers when you wake up, and every winter a baby dies because it's too cold. Uh, that's that's severe, right? It gave that's good severe. grounds to Riddler, I have to say. It gave. It, it really does. I was like, oh, all right. Because I never understood, I, I, uh, of all Batman characters, I never knew the, his entire background. It was never really emphasized on. It was mostly, it's a very smart dude who likes to do elaborate puzzles, which can lead to death. Right. Um, in the case of Jim Carrey's Batman, he was actually a character who was just like, a, he's a goofball who wanted to work yeah. in a company and then, do this kinds of stuff and he couldn't do it and he became a red one. Um, but in the case of this guy, he has this, you're like, 
it was Joker plus plus puzzles because he wanted to like have a. It was Joker plus puzzles plus a one big thing. But for him was that, which was which is what I thought it was actually. Some people were actually criticizing the fact that Riddler was in the social media kind of a portrayal. So they thought it might be cheap mm-hmm. to portray him that he's like has a forgot he has a Twitch stream for example. Yeah, essentially. But the thing that it actually is, is that having Riddler as that, it kind of represented the incel culture in a sense. Kind of. But what for me, what was really interesting is, um, apart from the fact that he's very much like a, a lone shooter type, right? Yeah. And he's basically lashing out at a society that has abandoned him. Um, Paul Dano's Riddler feels a lot more justified because his life has been just awful, essentially. Um, he's What's really interesting is the idea of Rid, the Riddler being a serial killer, which is why I bring up David Fincher. Paul Dano's Riddler is very much in the mold of someone like, uh, specifically... Um, what's the word? The 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 Zodiac killer, mm. right down to the glasses being over the mask, just like yeah. the Zodiac killer. Yeah. Um, and liking to leave clues behind to taunt the the, the law enforcement and and you know killing people very specific, killing people in in in. Um, I don't know, out of spite, essentially, you know. Out Except of spite, case, vengeance, yeah. well, I don't know what, I, I, I will call it, I don't know why you use the word spite. Would it be like, I think it was, I think it was a slightly deeper than that for him. For the Riddler's deeper, for the actual Zodiac killer was predominantly spite and, you know, schizophrenia. Mm. Um but yeah, because they wanted to, they wanted to make this Batman feel very realistic. Yeah. So you 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 use a real life parallel, you use a serial killer, and in this one, that's basically what you know the Riddler really is. But what's really really interesting to me is that the more fucked up the character gets in this version of Gotham, the more they kind of want Batman to be their friend. That's what's interesting to me. Yeah, because Riddler wanted that, yeah. Yeah. Like the whole time he thought he was hinting at Batman to be his accomplice. And much later on, he doesn't realize, not even Batman realizes that, oh, I basically just been doing what he's telling me to do. Bring him to light. He brings Falcone to light. Right. And then it it shocks him that that Batman was not nearly as smart as he thought he was, which is... It know, actually disappoints him. It's like... It oh. deeply disappoints him. He, yeah. he actually, like, flips on it. It's like, I, like, he starts screaming, for God's sake. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting, the idea of, you know, the villain, even when he's, when he's lost, he's kind of... He's won, essentially. And this is a really interesting topic of like, you know, the efficacy of superheroes in a world where actual serial killers and terrorists 
run rampant, how, how effective is a superhero? At the end of the day, all you can really do as a superhero is not that much different than like an actual costume superhero that, that patrols the streets somewhere in the US. Like you have these people who dress up as superheroes, this one dude called Phoenix Jones, if I'm not mistaken, very controversial figure, I think. Um, let's see. He, okay. Yeah. Real life superhero, ridiculous haircut. Um, goes around basically just patrolling the city and essentially doing social work, I guess, you know? Because at, at, at the end of the day, the efficacy of Batman is not that much different than Phoenix Jones in a world where, you know, your heroics can't account for much. You can't, you can't superhero away a mass shooter. You can't superhero away the internet's ability to radicalize people. You can't superhero away poverty and injustice and organized crime. Um, you can't hero away broken systems. You can't. And I think that's a very honest, almost brave admission to make in this movie. You can't, you can't just like dive, dive in, in, a, in, a, in a carbon fiber gimp suit with a cape and chase down a uh, a portly mobster who runs a nightclub that looks like it should be creating iron beams in Detroit and, and make him confess that it real life doesn't work that way. And when the dams break and the city's, city floods, all you can do is just lead people out of safety. You have to earn their trust, right? That's the whole point of that scene where he's, Walking through the water with the with the torch in his in his hand, guiding people out of the rubble to to a place where they can be rescued. That is the one thing you can definitely do as a superhero. True. And it's very, very disappointing for people who like superheroes, because you you expect them to just dive in and save the day and make sure that the bad thing doesn't happen, but that can't happen. That's a very interesting and poetic way of looking at it because like, yeah, he's a superhero, but I would even expect like in a, if it was done, done by Nolan or any other director, the way they would take it is that he will, well, he diffuses the bomb. Yes, yeah. he's the mad genius who can fix everything. He will fix everything. Not only the bomb will not explode and everybody would be safe. Uh, in Batman's version, in this version, he, the, the dams explode. He can save yeah. everybody. He doesn't even get to Alfred on time because I was actually counting on him getting to Alfred. No. When but Riddler was blowing, we're gonna about to blow up Bruce Wayne in what he thought it would be Bruce Wayne. I was yeah. like, is he gonna get Alfred? But then I realized he's not gonna get Alfred. And no, it, it didn't no. happen. So the it showed it actually showed a much more humanized version of a character who's uh, known to have super intellect and super strength with everything and who will be able to solve everything at any point and no matter how bad shit gets he will always have a deus ex machina at the end of it 
Yeah, no, that won't happen because you look at Nolan's Batman's. What what bugs me about Nolan's Batman's is that he's a bit too charitable about institutions and about power structures. What I mean by that is in like The Dark Knight Rises, for instance, all he all all Bane has to do really is threaten the city with a bomb and then put all the police in a hole, right? And all Batman has to do is release the cops and somehow that works. Oh yeah, really? yeah. The oh the cops are free, so we're gonna be all right. I'm like, I'm like none of this made sense. This is no. poorly ex executed. This was poorly executed. Batman 1 and 2 never had this issue. The Batman 1, of course, it was the origins and uh, created that myth of racial ghoul and the uh, way the League of Shadows is going to work and how Batman became a person who became who he was. Yeah. Dark Knight... Whereas was also that I mean, Dark Knight was an extension of like Batman facing his opposite in a sense and having to dance this tango with him and trying to try to save whatever is left of the of his life and the people he loves and also yeah. he won't be able to save both of them because his opposite is truly ahead of him in many sense so he will actually like he he doesn't manage to save rachel no but no, because uh, you can't save them all yeah and in this one how this one we have will we experience the same thing that actually like no nolan was i think as i i think we had the discussion before i said this one feels like what nolan was trying to do for the third batman like it should have been the batman number three in my head because mm. It brought that element of a human being who's trying to do his best. And at the same yeah. time, everybody else are also crooked. Everybody have like six layers to them. That you, you, Nobody's one dimensional. Nobody is just a good guy or that guy is just a bad guy. This guy is no. a commissioner. That guy is a politician. He has a family. Like the first victim of the film, the mayor, was actually... He goes home and you're watching him through the binoculars of the Riddler that, that you later realize. Yeah. He's playing with his kid. I actually thought it's gonna be it's actually a back back shot of Bruce Wayne. Yeah, that's right. Because the the story leans heavily on, you know, the morally great aspect of Dr. Thomas Wayne. Like he's always seen as this very, very noble figure who created. Uh, the project that was going to help the help the city, and they address this thing uh, that people this criticism they have of Bruce Wayne and Batman how you are so rich, and it doesn't seem like Bruce did nearly as much for the city as his father, right? And the 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 aspiring mayor, the black lady whose name I can't remember right now went up and said, you haven't really done anything for the city in like two years ever since you became a recluse. Why don't you just try and do something, maybe support me and I might do be able to do something for the city. But it would seem that I've always I've always maintained this, right? That in in the story of Batman, the real villain is not the Joker, it's not the Riddler, it's not Razal Ghul. 
it's Gotham itself. Yeah. Gotham right. is this life form that that both creates and lives off a misery and corruption and greed. It's this weird sort of like semi-sentient cancer city that Bruce Wayne feels compelled to save because that's what his father tried to do. And Selena Cal tells him straight up, the city is going to kill you. You know that, right? But he can't stop. There's this, there's this animated short, you know, about Batman. It's um, Gotham stories, I'm not mistaken. And one of the shorts is just a, is Alfred finding Bruce as Batman in a in a ditch somewhere in in, in the sewer, and he's he's hugging all of these guns, desperately trying to collect them. And saying, and saying, I, it's never enough. Yeah, it's not enough. It's never enough. And it's it's an incredibly heartbreaking scene because you realize not only is is Bruce semi mad with desperation at trying to fulfill his role. It goes to show that Gotham doesn't give a shit about him. As much as he's trying to do, Gotham is. Gotham as an entity is actively trying to kill him and slowly. That's actually a very, very beautiful, beautiful way to put it. Yeah, that is actually yeah. true because he is, he's the guy who would, uh, what's it called? Like I saw, I don't remember where I saw it and, it, but it stuck with me. I saw it, I think in the part of a series, I don't remember when, but, in the series, in the set series, there was a story. It was a short story about a guy who wanted to, a very wealthy, rich guy. And mm. he goes out and he sees a beggar and the beggar is asking for money. And the rich guy's like, oh, here, you can have my money. And he realizes the world is a cruel place. And, he's, and he puts all of his intentions on fixing it. Right. So he gives the beggar his money. Another person is like cold. He gives him his coat. And then yeah. he, another person needs a job. He gives him his company. And then he, and he's, every time he does something, he goes and speaks with a priest, I believe. And he's like, okay, is the world a better place now? Is everything like, as if like he was trying to demolish the desperation and evil of out of the world by every act he, he thought that, that by just doing that it will be over and then yeah. there is a moment that the, the priest looks at him and is like you can never really do it and then he has this real desperation look in his eyes as like it's ne never enough so he has given up his apartment all of his belongings everything and what he does is that he writes on the wall of a bathroom that and says take everything mm. and then he blows his brains out yeah as, and as he donated his organs he had yeah. called the paramedics to come and donate his organs and that's exactly this this scene that you mentioned is exactly that that bruce wayne is like yeah almost mad like thinking like he will be able to fix life itself because life itself by nature is that the poor are going to get pummeled and the rich are going to prevail. And if you think about it any other way, you're mistaken. The, the strong always defeats the weak and, it, and it's going to continue doing that in, only in a 
crazy world that's going to be the opposite case. No, it's, and, it, and it's not even like it's a metaphysical thing. It's just that Gotham is so intensely corrupt that even if you take away the metaphysical interpretation of what Gotham is, there's no way a billionaire in a, in a Kevlar gimp suit um, and in a rocket-powered Dodge Charger is going to change the fact that your that your commission that your commissioner was corrupt. DA was corrupt. He had a going rate ten k a month. You can't change society if it's if it's rotten from the to the very top. Yeah, there's no fixing that. Not really. I mean, Harvey Dent tried and. Holy crap. And look what, how he ended up. It's like, yeah. there was like, a, there was actually an, uh, a video essay that was saying, it was like, Bat- Bruce Wayne, by being Bruce Wayne, could have helped Gotham more than Batman did. Yeah, it is. But Bruce Wayne isn't content with just helping Gotham. He, deep down inside, he's still trying to, he's still trying to punish the streets for taking his parents. He's still he's trying still, to save his parents. Yeah, he's still very young in this film. Yeah. Right? What Two do you years think in of, bed. What do you think about the Robert Patterson playing him? If it was any other kind of Batman, I would I would tell I would tell the film to go fuck itself. But this particular kind of Batman, it works very well. You hmm. if you're gonna use Robert Patterson as a Batman, it's gonna have to be a young Batman. And it's going to have to be a Batman who's not quite good yet at being Batman, right? Because we can tell he's one step behind the Riddler. He gets injured a lot. He um, gets a concussion. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't even have like a like a, full, a well-equipped bat cave just yet. His workshop is really messy. It looks His like a tech garage. His is great. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a garage. It's basically a garage. He's tinkering himself. There is no Lucius Fox yet. Yeah. You notice. There's no he's, Lucius Fox. And le- I like what you mentioned here is that he's still like trying to be Batman. Is he's still trying to like be good at this. Like any other film, if when he you know that jump scene that he does. Yeah. Uh, when he jumps at the edge of the thing, he would have just immediately jumped. In this yeah. film, the second he goes to the edge, you see him scared. Yeah. It's like he's st- he startled, like, oh shit. Yeah, and then he has to prep, and then he has to jump. He's still learning how to do this. The fact that he doesn't even have like a proper Batmobile—it's a modified Dodge Charger—is <laughs> very telling. Um, you know, uh, it's yeah. too much, too early for me to tell. Like my take on his performance is that, well, the, the here's one thing about this: we had more Batman than Robert Pattinson, so. Yeah, it's a little early. I I don't like the emo way he went because I know they're trying to show that he's still young and trying to learn and all that. But uh, yeah, I'm I just didn't like that emo version of like oh I'm I'm sad I'm gonna like sit there melancholically and look at the wall. Um, yeah, that's something that. I just didn't really sit well with me aside from uh, everything else. So everything else was like, as a Batman, it was great. 
because yeah. he's just obser- observing, trying to figure out stuff. And he's Batman, basically. Yes. As, a, as Bruce Wayne, he, I felt like he, he just like was just a little bit of a... Uh, a little bit of a bitch, <laughs> for yeah, lack of a kind of. He's still a kid, basically. <laughs> What's really interesting is that you have a point in that he's not very he's not very charismatic as Bruce Wayne, and I think that's the point. You know, in in BDSM, for instance, we're going back to BDSM, BDSM yeah. again. <laughs> People who engage consensual safe BDSM find the experience quite mentally healthy for them because it, it allows them to broach the idea of danger and pain in a very safe manner. Um, it allows you to push yourself to the very boundary of what is acceptable uh, in, a, in a very non-judgmental way and allow you to process negative emotion much better. That's kind of why BDSM works for some people. I think what what we're seeing is that um, unless unless Gotham is unless Gotham is making Batman uh, its little bitch, uh, Bruce Wayne isn't happy. Mm. That's why he looks the way he does. He he's just visibly ill when he's when he's just being Bruce Wayne. When he's not trying Batman to save Batman, when he's not trying to save Gotham, he's miserable. When he's not trying to save Gotham, he's miserable. He's only he only feels whole and happy, or and 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 complete when he's Batman. Mm, which the comics often, yeah. Which the comics often, do. it's like he's go, it's like when he's just Bruce Wayne. He's going through withdrawal. He's going through Batman withdrawal. <laughs> because Batman in his is his drug, yeah. Bro, bro, come on, I need to get just give me a little bro. Yo, Lucius, Lucius, hey, you got hey, some of that Batman man. Just need, need to get I on need my, my Batman real. Just let me get I'll on do my anything. I will suck your dick. Just I will suck your dick if you give me a Batmobile. Just do it, man. Uh, Bruce, you have billions of dollars. Shut up. I will suck your dick if you give me a <laughs> shut up and let me suck your dick, Lucius. Shut up and let me suck your dick. You ever got you ever got your dick bat sucked? It's great. <laughs> God, man, going through psych, going yeah. through a psychosis. <laughs> Just, or as he would call it, Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> Master yeah. Wayne, what are you doing? <laughs> Shut up, Mr. Mr. Wayne. Or I'll fire Mr. you. Mr. Wayne, why are you fondling my balls? That's not necessary. <laughs> Uh, I would have given you the bat tumbler anytime you wanted. Master you don't Wayne. Have to, shut up. You Get remind your me. balls bat tea bag. You, you remind me of your father, Master Wayne. You remind me of my father, Mr. Wayne, except I used to look up to him. I'm looking <laughs> down on you. You suck in my Johnson. This is not necessary. Yeah. Some people say. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Get busy uh, sucking or get busy dying. <laughs> this yeah, pretty. Uh, yeah, it's it's just that it's just that's the psychology, man. So it, for me, Robert Pattinson works really well because he looks like he's going through uh, being Batman withdrawal when he's being Bruce Wayne. That makes sense, um, and I guess that I guess that makes sense for the greater for the greater 
you know, themology of this particular movie because um, what can what can defeat a serial killer? Uh, two BDSM bad, uh, two BDSM good guys. That's what mm. you need. And Wait I, I thought Zoe, yeah, Z- yeah, Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz. Yes. Yeah, she nailed it as bad. Oh as my Cat god! Woman. Like she, that was. A, I think she's the first. I would say after Michelle Pfeiffer, I would say even better than Michelle. I mean, of course, that's a Tim Burton version of it, but uh, she nailed the essence of Catwoman. Yeah. What was really interesting for me is how cat-like she looks when she walks. Yeah. Because she's constantly looking like she's walking on a catwalk. Yeah. And the way she would look from, like, with her head down and looking upward, like, (laughs) she did a very good with a cat cat impression basically yeah but the funny thing is about zoe kravitz as catwoman is that she doesn't she's not a flirt not really i mean towards the end she's kind of like a flirt but she her sex appeal is just incidental like it just happens to be there that's actually a very interesting point yeah she's not a flirt wow she's not using she's not using her sex as a weapon it just happens to be there that's actually very interesting. I didn't pick up on that, but now that you mentioned it, it's like, yeah, Catwoman, mm. Catwoman's entire, Catwoman's arsenal of thing is her sex, sex appeal is part of her arsenal. But yeah. this one is quite secondary to the entire thing. Like even the choice of outfits and everything that she had, uh, if you, you notice it, they didn't went overboard to try to make her look I mean, it is a fucking BDSM suit, as you put it, but there wasn't yeah. a shot that I go like, "Ooh, look at that! Look at the ass on her." No, never. There was never like an ass shot, or there's or a, like, like an unzipping the like, BDSM suit to like reveal no. cleavage. I mean, there was this one scene where Bruce Wayne is looking at her through binoculars, like the fucking pervert that he is, yeah. and uh, she's undressing out of her cat suit into civilian clothes, or I think it was. The other way around? I can't remember. I think it was the other way around. She's undressing from a civilian of a civilian clothes to a cat suit. Right. And and uh, it's, it's just a girl changing clothes, you know? Yeah. Her her physicality is is her physicality is is more has more to do with, you know, she's she's uh sexually attractive. But it's not to entice. That's just what she is. And I think that was very, very... I thought that was very, very interesting. She's got great body language when she moves, when she when she, uh, when she, she walks, when she stares at you. These are all... She is... Her, her body language is really, really evocative. And, you know... Uh, give me a second. Sure. We haven't had uh, a black cat woman since Eartha Kitt. Yeah. Yeah. So that was nice. Except maybe Hale Berry, that, that, that should not. Oh, Hale, um, Hale Berry one, yeah, that, yeah, that doesn't count. No, but I just like the yeah, because we haven't had a black cat woman since Eartha Kitt, and Eartha Kitt was classic. Yeah, right? she was 
Eartha Kitt was was in very much the same way, that kind of Catwoman who was sort of like dangerous and regal and incredibly capable, you know. And um, and Zoe and really, also managed to channel all of that. Also, one of that, the things that they managed to do, which other Catwomans hadn't managed, hadn't done at all, was. Well, there's a few things that they've fucking failed at doing, and this one nailed it. Is that number one? You do notice that one theme with Catwoman is that she's a woman in poverty and has friends very good who point. are in poverty. Yeah, and her motivating is trying to rescue this friend, and she also cares and- about them. And in this one, she had a friend that she wanted; she would have gone above and beyond to save. That's true. That's something that none of the other Catwomans had. The other Catwomans were usually like, oh, the diamonds are the girl's best friend or like the thrill of uh, stealing and shit like that. Like there is zero motivation to you. There is no dimension to the character. There is nothing to you. But like for her, I they managed to hit a few notes that I really appreciated. Number one was that, that she's human being who loves something out of it herself and is willing to go the extra mile to save it. That's right. I think that's in, in both depictions of Catwoman by say, it's a kid to a certain degree. Um, Michelle, Pfeiffer, well, not Michelle Pfeiffer so much. I think her motivation is a little different, but Eartha Kitt and, um, Zoe Kravitz have this sort of like yeah physic physicality to the role. It's just amazing to look at. Yeah, um, and she's very easy yeah. on the eyes too. So that's good. She's very easy in the eyes, which is <laughs> which you would expect from Selena Kyle. Like that's kind of what you that's kind of what you expect Selena Kyle to be. Like very very beautiful. Um, but it it can't just be another pretty face. It can't be. Selena Kyle has to look like if you make the wrong move, she will slit your throat. Yeah, if she thinks like that. yeah, if you if she thinks you're fucking with her, you're done. You're done. Eartha Kitt um, looks like that. Looks like that because she's very queen-like. She's very regal. Michelle Pfeiffer's version of Selena Kyle looks that way because this bitch crazy and a half. Um, yeah. You know, and we like it that way. We shouldn't, but we do. Yeah. We like crazy. Um, um, and Hathaway. And Hathaway was the most weakest of the all of all of them because you had no idea what her backstory is, and you were supposed to feel like, oh my god, like this is amazing. The there was nothing to her. There was the only part for her was that she wanted to steal from. Bruce Wayne for some reason she's scared of Bane and uh, yeah. who she kills in the end with the motorcycle blaster and 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 that's it there there is nothing else to her character you just and she has criminal records that nobody really even discuss about which magically disappear uh, so, so my take on this essentially is that Anne Hathaway is a highly competent person in general, right? Very A-type personality. You know, very, very obsessive about getting things right. But it doesn't reflect in your ability to 
be at ease because that's what a cat should be like. They should make effort, anything look very, very effortless. Yeah. Uh, and Hathaway is constantly tense looking. So it's like, ah, oh, okay. I mean, you're dangerous, but only because uh, you're, you look like you're going to attack anyway, right? Mm. As opposed to that being part of your personality. That's true. You know? And also, but, what? No, but Anne Hathaway, she carries herself like a dancer, like a very disciplined dancer, right? So you see more of that in her Catwoman as opposed to like, you know, I'm, I'm a thief who's what I do. I'm a, I'm a spy. I'm an agent. I'm a, I'm a femme fatale. You don't get that from Anne Hathaway. You get a very disciplined person who just happens to be good at what she does and that's it. That's yeah. That's, that's it, really. That's as far as it goes, and there's no re- reason for attraction that occur between him and Bruce Wayne. And not really. For Zoe a major, Kravitz, what? Sorry, just one more detail. A major mistake that you might do if you're trying to play a a, a Catwoman is to play her like a version of a Batwoman. Ah, big mistake. I uh, if you took if you took Anne Hathaway and turned her into a Batwoman, that would make sense. Because that's all Batman does. He's very, very rigid, very, very disciplined, very, very skilled. That's not what Catwoman is about. Selina Kyle is a completely different character. That's actually a very, very, very nice observation. Selina Kyle, the Anne Hathaway's Catwoman is more like a cat, is like a Batwoman than the Catwoman. Yeah, uh, yeah, just like a female Batman. Yeah, that's actually that would actually that would have actually even worked better for the story in some senses. But I suppose mm-hmm. that they would have trouble with creating a backstory for this new bad person than compared to just going through with Selena Kyle, which I think they majorly they mostly relied on the fact that the fan base knows of her enough, so they didn't really want to explore. If you're not a mm-hmm. fan of the comics, you wouldn't understand anything that's happening between the Batman and Catwoman. And yeah. one more thing that they did, and I don't know if you watched it, by the way. The, did you watch? The, did you get to watch the animation uh, Long Halloween? Oh no, I didn't get. I knew that this version of uh, Batman is based on the Long Halloween, but I never got to watch it. Yeah, I gotta tell you, like we did discuss this actually briefly before that the animations that create that Batman animations managed to capture the essence of Batman better than the movies at times. Mm. And this one, the long Halloween was one that made me go like, oh my God, like they, they fucking nailed it. They, Mm. and they did touch upon the stories that there's a character called the holiday killer and all that, but in the movie, there's no holiday killer, but one of the sub themes was uh, subplots was that the Carmine Falcone was the father of Selena Kyle. Okay, so we got to talk about John Turturro. Yeah, that guy, that guy nailed what essentially was the the character. I, I I'll be honest with you, it's funny that I didn't expect him to, for him to be as villainous as he was, because Falcone. Oh no, he was, he was a slimy, you know, despicable human being. Yeah, it was also just terrifying in his own way. Yeah, terrifying because like when you hear him choking the girl, I'm like, 
Oh, yeah. The, the, it will be over soon. Just very calmly strangling his own daughter. It's his favorite thing. It's his favorite activity. It's just, God, it's true. <laughs> it's like he. It came to him so naturally to choke his friend. Then it came to him yeah. so naturally to choke her, and also mm-hmm. choke. Mind you, choke, and ha- uh, choke and uh, Selena Kyle's mother too. Now. It, Need we remind people that this dude, John Turturro, has predominantly been a comedic actor. Comic right? relief, positive yeah, feelings, uh, the guy who comes the day. Right. Yeah. Um, he's been in like, he's one of the dudes in Oh Brother Where I oh. And also, um, who can forget the Jesus in uh, The Big Lebowski? That's him. Oh, yeah. Right? I will fuck you on ass Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. <laughs> You're right. Like a brilliant comedic actor. But the way how he plays Falcone in the Batman is terrifying. You instantly recognize, you, you instant, he instantly establishes presence. That's the, that's yeah. the thing. It's like, just, he really does look like one of these retired mobsters that have like a YouTube channel now. You know? Yeah. Sammy the Bull or whatever. Yeah, he does look like one of those dudes. Yeah, he looked at Michael Francis, Sammy the Bull. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first time you actually don't... Well, the first time you see him on screen isn't actually the the, the, the funeral parlor. It's actually the... um uh, Through Selena Kyle's eye. Yeah. And I was like, oh, did they go the route that because the way he holds her face, I was like, did they did he fuck Selena? Because I, I there is that the storyline that they're going with? Because in the right, long right. Halloween, Selena Kyles is the daughter of uh, Falcone. Yeah. And the Falcone in general, at least to the knowledge that I had, is much more of a godfatherish, also slightly honorable, less psychopathic. Than what I got in yeah. this one. Yeah, I mean, Falcone has always been a piece of shit in in any iteration of, of Batman, right? But um, here it's like he's holding back quite a bit, which I think is which I think is fairly realistic for a mob boss. Like they're very com- What they want to do is be comfortable and not have to extend themselves too much. Because they have the city under control. Yeah. Uh, and it's only when they're attacked directly do you realize, oh, this person feels nothing doing terrible things. No, he just, cho- he was so ready to get on top of his daughter and choke her with the fucking pool stick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty crazy. And blaming and her. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think it was Nat again who pointed out just how calm he was about, don't worry. It'll be over soon. And he's pushing this thing. And he's just he's just really good at this role. Not he just is. good at this role. He's like, here's the thing again, the director did. It was like, you if you're a fan and you're watching it, then you you kind of know, like, oh, she will be saved. But they managed right. to always push a little few, a few seconds extra. So make you doubt, yeah. like, oh, is Selena dying? Because I'm I'm starting to hear bones cracking. Yeah. I was I was very much 
thinking to myself, there's no way Selena Kelt's gonna die, but um, she might get badly fucked up after this. <laughs> Quadriplegic or something. Yeah, no, she might get put in a hospital or something, even if Bruce does save her. Speaking of which, I thought it was really interesting that Bruce went to, um, what was it called? Um, the iceberg twice. The iceberg? Was it the iceberg or was it? So which one is the club that they go to? Yeah, 44 the, Below. 44 yeah, Below is lounge. the, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's really interesting is that he goes to this twice. Once as Batman where he's just fighting his way through. And another and, one to get the straight story from, from Falcone, just as Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I don't get to see that very often. Usually, when, when Bruce Wayne goes out in public and people talk to him, people relevant to the plot talk to him, it's usually to establish um, the the sort of like the social or political for plot reasons, right? Yeah. Uh, Bruce Wayne meets with uh, Harvey Dent to talk about, you know, at a dinner party or something. He talks about, yeah, goes for the charity, does the yeah. this and does that. Now, not that Bruce Wayne is going to go to talk to Carmine Falcone for, no. what did you do to my dad and what was the story behind between you two? What's really interesting to me was that this is the first time I've seen on a movie anyway, Bruce Wayne using his leverage as Bruce Wayne to get information. Interesting. Because you saw this in the animations. You saw this in the cartoon series, in the 1990s Batman animated series. Mm. And uh, you might see this in, in other comic books and in other... You don't see this in the movies. Batman, or, or rather Bruce Wayne, going to places where there might be information that's useful as Bruce Wayne, being his own spy, essentially. You never really see that. That's interesting. And that's actually very true. Because you you think about this logically, right? Who do you think has more leverage for, for, for digging up information? Is it Batman or is it Bruce Wayne? It's Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. He's the one with the money. He's the one with the money. He's the one with the connections. Batman is basically just... Uh, some angry asshole who bought you in hub. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That one tap on Pornhub with the leather is. That's that's what Batman looks like to most people. <laughs> one tap like, on Pornhub or leather is. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, that's one way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I am. I am firmly in the in the position that Batman is a kink for Bruce Wayne. Um, yeah. yeah. You sometimes see this with Superman when he's Clark Kent, you know, as a reporter, you have some access to certain things, right? Contacts, information, people who you know who will talk. You know what I thought would be really cool? If there was a series or a movie where the movie was predominantly Clark Kent doing reporting shit. Mm. investigative journalism Clark Kent doing investigative journalism and you don't get to see too much of the Superman mm. because some particular scenario requires him to like reveal something 
by way of actual journalism, right? Instead of to, always resulting to brute force or look at my omega yeah. beams and such and such. Yeah. Uh, he resolves revol- resolves to actual logics and wits and all that. Yeah. Because we forget Bruce Wayne isn't stupid. Like he's not a he's a he's a he's an old he's an old boy from Kansas, but that doesn't mean he's a yokel. You know, he's yeah. a reporter in, in Metropolis. You know, journalists, you know, in my experience, tend to be fairly intelligent, well-connected, well-read people. You know, some of my favorite podcasters are journalists, conflict journalists specifically. And um, you'd, you'd be amazed at just how many people a journalist just knows and the informa- in, insider information that they can get just from talking to people. And you don't get, you don't ever get to see that in Clark Kent. And in much the same way, you don't, you, you don't ever get to see Bruce Wayne's, uh, Bruce Wayne as the businessman, and as the millionaire, and as the person with connections, actually work for him. Yeah. Hmm. And I think that's a. I think I think a lot of the time the al- the alter egos of superheroes are underutilized. That's actually, and I, and I kind of like how in this movie, at the very least, Bruce Wayne realizes if I'm going to go to the iceberg lounge again, I'm going to go as myself to get information, which is a thing I can't do as Batman, and I and I appreciate that there's a, a an awareness of that. That's actually very true, and actually it makes me excited for what's going to be for the next Batman that is going to be. Mm. I I don't know, maybe be starring Nicolas Cage with. Egghead or her, <laughs> the which I will totally be down to see, or Mister Freeze as he wants to do. He and, wants to do Mister F- Nicholas Cage is Mister Freeze. No, no, he Nicholas Cage said I want to be egg egg uh, egghead. Seriously? Oh yeah, yeah, it's on the news. Uh, Nicholas Cage saw the Batman. And he said like. I know I want to play the egghead and I know how to make him extremely terrifying. And to be honest with you, I won't be surprised if you pull it off. It's uh, okay. It's different. It is I different. Wanted... I never even heard of egghead before <laughs> until he said it. And I mean, to be fair, Nicholas Cage is a huge nerd. A well, huge nerd. Huh? If you so... spend that much, he spent that much, like half of his whole salary buying uh, first edition comics yeah well uh, i had to sell him off so i don't blame him so he is a huge nerd and i but the way that he the matt reeves has batman is now playing out one thing that also made me excited for is actually going to be because right now dc i think there's some news that they want to like put focus on making these types of films Considering Joker was a great success, yeah. $58 million budget made a billion dollars worldwide. This one was a massive success. So they, uh-huh. they're they actually putting their focus where it should be, where the items that they pro- focus on are predominantly what Marvel can do. is something more grittier and bloodier and possibly even scarier because that's... People are thirsty. People are tired of Marvel because of all that, all that politically correct and people pleasing. It's basically what Fast and Furious is, 
but with superheroes that Marvel is like now doing constantly. It's the same fucking formula. So I think what's I think the problem was is that Warner Brothers got really insecure about you know Marvel Studios' success and tried to rush the ensemble justice the League. ensemble superhero thing. Yeah. Whereas Marvel, Marvel you, Warner Brothers was trying to do what Marvel was doing, was building for 10 years in a span of three. Mm-hmm. In three years, Marvel Warner Brothers wanted to do exactly what they achieved, but they couldn't. Like from the first Iron Man to the Avengers, it took a like good 10, 12 years. Yeah, it did. And the irony is that if DC had taken the same amount of time, they would have gotten into full swing around the same time Marvel would have lost steam. Exactly. Which and they would have they would have been primed to take over where Marvel would eventually drop off. And I think that's a big shame because there's a lot, there's a, so much stuff in DC with that if you just gave it enough time and attention, it would be very, very good. Like one of the one of the superheroes I feel that has the most amount of potential for just world building, right? Nothing else, just world building. Never mind the plot. Just just constructing a universe for this person to explore is Green Lantern. Uh no, I'm not a fan. I know. He's not he's not always well written, is the problem. But in my opinion, the issue with Green Lantern isn't isn't the character so much. What you do with Green Lantern is that you construct a visual representation of of this vast universe, right? And you let him explore it. So he can be a bland character, but you you let the worlds do the talking for you. And that could be a very, very interesting story to tell. You could basically have him as like um like dc's version of 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 guardians of the galaxy essentially because you need this hero in outer space and that's actually true that's actually a interesting way of looking at it yeah it is because you have all this crap happening in outer space and you have this dude who's the air force pilot and you could use you could explore the universe yeah. With essentially space cop. Space cop. And I thought yeah. he's a space cop. That's <laughs> yeah, space cop. Yeah. Hmm. That like um did. one thing I because that was what? Sorry, was he? Say continue. Because the original conception of Star Lord was that he was originally going to be this person who who be who who became a space cop, right? Mm. And he and he would go from Mercury to Venus to Earth, and then Mars, and then and then go from one planet to another. And he started off as this very surly, negative character who's just cynical about everything. And with every planet he he visits, he starts to grow and evolve and become a better person. Right? That was the original conception of of uh, of Star Lord, kind of kind of like a. John Carpenter of Mars sort of situation. And you could do that with the Green Lantern if you wanted to. It would take time and writing, but you would have this huge overarching 
uh, experience. In fact, I dare say that if you wanted to do, if you really wanted to do a, a Green Lantern thing, uh, it would essentially be DC's Mandalorian. DC's man. Oh, all right. <laughs> That's actually a very interesting way to pitch it. DC's Mandalorian. Yeah. That would be a nice pitch because yeah. it has everything that it needs for that universe to be there for the yeah. Green Lantern universe and that uh, what do you call the fear power people like the, the yellow mm -hmm. lantern people and the red lantern people and all the right. codes and the ways and the mythology that they have. Uh, even though I'm not a, never been a huge fan of Green Lantern in general, uh, but it does have all the capacity to be a standalone uh, universe by itself without the involvement of many other things. Yeah. Yeah. But I think to, so. Back to the Batman one. One thing I do want to well, I do want to see, I hope to see, because one of the problems I, I, I'm a huge fan of Batman, but I've always been a more big of a fan of the villains rather than Batman himself. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I even root for the villain compared to Batman. Oh yeah. It, it's that the moral, I want to see his moral code be broken, hopefully. Because mm. it never makes sense. And I, I, I've read enough attempts by everybody to try to justify his code on not killing people. Right. But I never really, but I don't think it ever was driven home in any way properly. And not by the movies, no. Not by the, Again, I, I, the, I would dare even say, not even by the comics. There was, uh, there was I, an attempt to address it in like the Red Hood in the animations. Yeah, I, I understand the, I understand all of those, but it still didn't feel enough. You know, it's like, you just, a shitload of people died by the hands of Joker because you just don't want to get your hands dirty and become a killer yourself. Right. And there was one comic that did this recently that blew my blew me away. And you might have heard of it. Yeah. And it's called The Batman Who Laughs. Oh, no, I'm... Yeah, yeah, I know about that one. Have you heard of it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's part of the multiverse that they have for Batman. And mm -hmm. the one version of Batman, it's actually creepy. The thing is that the that's where that's why like Marvel gets fucked by DC in this area is that when there is an idea of violence, when there's an idea of realism, they don't they won't back out of anything. They 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 have carte blanche to go anywhere they want. Um, yeah. Joker actually finally managed to break Batman. Yeah, by reenacting his childhood by shooting a kid's parents in front of them. Right. Batman tries to crush his Joe, basically crushes Joker's neck, and as he crushes Joker's neck, Joker lets up toxic gas, the Joker gas. Yeah. And Batman inhales it, and he slowly becomes the Joker, and he kills all of his friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen, I've, I've read it, yeah. It's it's creepy. very very terrifying. Yeah, it's terrifying when he blasts the Batgirl and Robin and everybody in the face with a gun. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's like Jesus fucking Christ, what's happening? But 
other than that, like I know, like that, I, I doubt that will ever come to fruition because I don't think that I think that's unfilmable in the sense of like making bad the Batman who laughs. But I want to be able to see if he if there is more cracks in his armor. Like right now, we saw Batman as I mean, being somebody who didn't who was a step behind Riddler. I want to see that also to be a case with the with the Joker, which we saw in the deleted scenes. I guess. Although I I will more than I'm more than happy to settle for just Batman being terrifying without being without being a murderer. Because going back to the, the movie, right, the Batman, what I really liked was when seen from the viewpoint of the villains, particularly in the chase scene with the penguin, um, Batman, as he's emerging from the crash, the flaming crash, and yeah. the, the car, and the car goes through the flames and he's walking slow towards you. Um, there is a moment where, as a villain, where everybody's more or less a normal person, you're not sure anymore if you're looking at a human being, like consciously, you know that Batman is just a human being, but you're not sure anymore. <laughs> when he comes out of the flames, you're like, he's looking at them upside down. Like you can, the, like the terror on his face is quite visible. He's like, what yeah. am I like looking at exactly? Yeah. yeah. Who, what are you? And that's the kind of how you, that's kind of how you depict Batman, for me personally. Mm-hmm. You don't depict them as just sort of like standing awkwardly in the middle of uh, the mayor's office looking at clues. The, the most interesting depiction of Batman in the movie is when the, the DA crashes into the funeral, right? And he's got the bomb collar. Um, and you don't see Batman at first. You just see his, you just hear his footsteps. And yeah. then from, and what you thought was a black wall turns out to be a shadow. And at the first thing you see is just his jaw and he slowly steps out. That's a brilliant shot because to me, that's kind of how you should depict Batman. That's As something great. not quite human. Something that comes out of nowhere in it. This yeah. movie did establish him in, as that completely brilliantly, especially mm-hmm. like when he's like coming at the, from the first scene that he goes up and beats up the gang. Yeah. And the, the line that they follow through with this as to build up on what you're saying here is that the line that they follow through that it shows them as something to be as something that is more than human in a sense. Yeah. Uh, also, there's always snippets of him being human. So whenever you feel like he's actually not human, it's always reminded. Like, it's the first time I saw Batman getting blasted in the stomach with a double-barrel shotgun. Yeah. And that he's hurt and he gets damaged more and more and more. Yeah. I think what you have to do is... In the, in the scenes where he is Batman proper... You have to make it seem like he's like part of the shadows. You yeah. you you don't depict all of him. You don't depict. You depict parts of him in the shot. He does. He's always positioning himself in a in a part of the room where he's always obscured and whatnot. And then as Bruce Wayne, you realize that 
part of his not quite human aspect is is portrayed in his psychological exhaustion, his injuries, his, you know, like if you see somebody like that in real life, right, with the amount of injuries that he has, with the with what is obvi- very obviously a psychological toll in his facial expressions and how he wears his hair, the question should still stand. What are you, you should be dead by now. Why aren't you dead by now? That's you actually know? weird to put, weird way to put it, but actually very accurate as well. Because like, yeah, he's Bruce Wayne standing there, yet his body is Batman. He's who's been like last night just got ran over by a truck or like had his head banging against the fucking bridge. Yeah. yeah, you you know he's a flesh and blood human being, but there's something inside him, something intangible, something abstract that makes him far more menacing than. Uh, you know, hmm. Thanos or Parallax or, hmm. you know, Entirely. any of these big villains, like hmm. there's something intangible and abstract about, about a human being formed in that specific way, spiritually and psychologically. Yeah. Hmm. On that note, I think we can end the podcast on that, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who are you hoping to be the next villain? Hmm. Not I've always wanted to see. I've always wanted to see Mister Freeze. Same, right? Yeah. I just don't know how you do it with this. With Matt Reeves as the director, how do you do? How do you do like this? You know this this you know deeply sympathetic villain. Um, in who's in trying to save his wife who's trying to save his wife in a story where it's basically in a style of movie that is basically, you know, corrupt people and serial killers and mass shooters, like really dark, deep real life stuff. Yeah. In the realistic version. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to me, to me, Mr. Freeze is very romantic almost. Like how do you make, how do you make a tragic romance story? He's, you know what I mean? He's somewhat the least villainous of the, everybody else. Yeah. So how do you make a story about that? Yeah. I want to see that. I want to see him. I want to see Hush. Mm. Who's like jealous friend who... Jealous childhood friend who's like now taking pieces of face of other... Cutting people's faces off and trying to construct the face of his best friend of his childhood yeah. to become Bruce Wayne. Like... That one is like creepy as hell. It could be really brilliant if he pulls it off, but if he does do it. But I do hope to get to see this. I do hope to see Mr. Freeze because I am everybody I think are had enough of Joker for the past couple of years. Everybody, everybody yes. are now a Joker. It's now a, now a James Bond title. That's almost. You know what it is? It's like in Marvel where anytime you do an X-Men, you got to have Wolverine. Right? Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay, I, I get what you mean. Right, because he's the iconic character of the group. You gotta have Wolverine, you gotta have Magneto. But my my most interesting, my 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 favorite X-Men movie is First Class. Mm. And there's no Wolverine in there except for a cameo where he tells uh Xavier to go fuck himself. Xavier Magneto to fuck off, quite literally. Yeah. Right. 
And in this sense that, and in this movie, Magneto isn't the great villain you have to defeat. He's your friend. He's your deeply troubled and traumatized friend that you're trying to help. Hmm. <laughs> he's the Jew that's, he's the Jew that lived. <laughs> he's the Jew that lived. Right. So, yeah, I don't uh, know how you're going to do Mr. Freeze, but I hope somebody does him well for once. I hope so too. Yeah, I hope it's not Arnold again. <laughs> <laughs> You could you could do Arnold. The problem is Joel Schumacher is way too campy and weird for it's gonna overshadow it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can. You can. You just I don't know. Everybody let just act. chill. Everybody just chill. <sighs> All can't. right, let's Everybody. bring this to an end, brother. <laughs> okay, yeah. All right, fuckers. Hope you enjoyed. I know this is a bit of a late for late review of Batman, but it's worth talking about. It's quite fun. So hope you enjoyed. Take care, fuckers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Ladies. <laughs>